Amen. Amen. Awesome. Well, open your Bibles or your phones. And uh, Matthew chapter 7, verse 24. I touched on this topic last week during my sermon. I, I wasn't planning on it. Uh, t- when, I, when I put sermons together, usually I have more content than what I, than what I probably think you have time to listen to. Um, so I try and always draw back to so I'm not bombarding you with too much kind of information and content. And this was a bit that I was like, I won't put it in, but then I kind of snuck in a little bit. I couldn't help myself uh, in last week's sermon. Just a, this idea of, of hearing and obeying and tasting and seeing. And the importance, I think, of both, uh, but where one of those maybe is more lacking in the church for us. Matthew 7, 24, Jesus says, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man or a wise person who built his house on the rock. So Jesus is presenting this idea that if you hear what I'm saying, if you hear my words... Now, for us, that might come in the audible voice of God. It might come through someone else sharing it. It might come through reading of the Bible. When we hear the words of Jesus, then he says, if you hear them and then if you obey them, if you do them, if you put them into action in your life, you're like a wise person that's building their house on a rock, on a solid foundation. And then he goes on to say, if those who hear my words and then don't obey them, it's like you're building your house on sand, on an unstable foundation. And he shares then if, you know, as the storms of life come, that structure that gets built, even though you've been hearing all of the words of Jesus, if you're not applying them in your life, the winds of life, the storms of life come and that whole structure can crumble. That's why sometimes even for people who may have been Christians for a very, very long time and they find themselves when hardship comes, when struggles come in life and all of a sudden what was this strong faith structure starts to crumble under the weight of life. And that can be because we have a lot of knowledge about God. We have a lot of understanding about who He is. We can read the Bible every day for many, many hours and build up all of this information. But if it's not actually being applied in our life and we're living that out, it's not forming us on a solid foundation. Amen? That's a good word. That's a good teaching right there. That's enough. Done. Amen. Bless you. See you next week. Another element of our engagement with God we find in Psalms 34 verse 8 and it says oh taste and see that the Lord is good blessed is the man who takes refuge in him taste and see that the Lord is good taste and see consume and have your eyes awakened to the goodness of God Blessed is the person who takes refuge, who finds their safety, finds their comfort, finds their security in God. One of the teachings of the Elijah House prayer ministry training uh, is about false refuges. Now, again, for, for we would also, we could just call that sin. Uh, but it's whenever we seek refuge in something other than God, where we're designed to seek refuge in God. Obviously, we're not talking about in the natural realm. We don't say, I don't need a house. God is my refuge. Well, you're going to get really cold and really wet 
Um, and you're going to get bugs crawling all over you. No, we're not talking about in the natural, okay? We're talking about when it comes to my heart finding refuge, my heart finding comfort, my soul, my spirit finding a place of rest. God says, find that in me. That's the best place to find it. Not in social media, not in addictions, not in hiddenness or sin. That's a really bad place to find refuge. You might find a little bit of comfort. You might find a little bit of satisfaction. But what you receive from that place is going to cost you far more than what you're receiving. Because it actually draws you away from the Lord. It puts a barrier between us and God. It impacts our relationship, our intimacy, our connection with Him. So the Bible says, blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. So I think for many of us, we probably begin our journey with Jesus around hearing and obeying. So we hear the gospel, we hear the good news of Jesus. Maybe someone invites us along to a, to a church service or you know, we hear someone preaching on the street. A friend is sharing with us and they start to talk about how good God is, how amazing God is and what Jesus has done for us. Jesus has died for your sins. Jesus has made a way that you can know God and be in relationship with Him. That is good news. And we hear that good news and we're encouraged, you need to respond to that good news. And we might respond by praying what we call the sinner's prayer. So we pray, pray, we hear us say, that's good news. I don't wanna, I don't wanna have a, you know, live in hell for the rest of eternity. I wanna live with Jesus. That's much better news. So we're, but we're invited to respond, and that's a good thing. Having a response is good. Hearing the words of Jesus and responding to them, that's a really, really good thing. And we repent of our sin. We choose to follow Him. Now, again, if you read through your Bible, you won't find the sinner's prayer in the Bible. I'm not anti-sinner's prayer, but I'm also kind of not saying it's some sort of miraculous thing that happens. If you pray the sinner's prayer, it doesn't necessarily mean you've received salvation. It doesn't necessarily mean that you've been filled with the Holy Spirit. It means you've heard and you've said, I obey and I choose something. That's really, really good. But what you also need is the miraculous work of salvation of the Holy Spirit coming and dwelling in you. Sometimes that happens at the same time. Sometimes, and we read even in the Bible, sometimes it happens at separate times. So in the New Testament, in the early church, there were times where they were traveling around the countryside with this good news of Jesus and the, whole, the power of the Holy Spirit encountering being born again. And they would come across believers who they had heard about Jesus and they'd said, yes, we agree that He is Lord and we've chosen to follow Him with our lives. And they're asked, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? And they're like, we didn't even know about this Holy Spirit. We know about Jesus and we've been baptized in water. We don't even, we've never even heard of the Holy Spirit. So then they would pray and they'd be filled with the Holy Spirit and all sorts of wondrous, amazing, miraculous things would take place. There were other times where the disciples were speaking about Jesus and the Holy Spirit all of a sudden falls upon these people and they start having this like physical experience of the reality of God. And then out of that, they're called to then say, hey, this is Jesus, you need to respond to him. I've had that before. I've, I've 
met with people, they've needed prayer, I've prayed for them, a miracle has taken place. And then out of that miraculous encounter, I've invited them to follow Jesus. So it can happen both ways. But sometimes for many people, they hear and they faithfully choose to obey. And maybe then that feeling happens at another time. And again, it doesn't mean just, well, I've, I don't know if I've had a physical experience of God. I'm not saying, therefore, you're not saved. But what I am saying is that there's, a, there's another dimension of relationship that goes beyond just hearing and obeying. And that dimension is tasting and seeing the reality of God. I've had some times with my children, and they can be obedient and, and they can be good at being obedient and they'll hear my voice and I'll say, hey, hey can, can you do this? And they, yep, yep, yep. And they race off to do it. And I'm like, I, I know they don't know how to do that thing. <laughs> but they're trying to be good and trying to be obedient. Yes, yes, yep, got it. And, and you run off. Have you ever done that before where you kind of, someone gives you an instruction, maybe at work, and you're like, yep, cool, got it. And then you walk off and then you realize, what do they actually say? Or I don't know how to do that. Uh, I've, had, I've helped out with my football team um, doing as the runner. So there's someone that's appointed uh, and you can go out, run onto the field during the game and give players instructions, maybe to say, hey, change position or come off the field, those sorts of things. And, uh, and I have had that experience where they're like, all right, go and tell, you know, someone's nickname, you know, Lockie, what, he's got to, you know, move to this position. I'm like, yeah, 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 cool. And you kind of run off and you're halfway out. Then you go, Lockie, all right, do I know Lockie? <laughs> I should have asked what number is Lockie and what was the position? And so I learned kind of pretty quickly, like, oh, okay, I've got to figure that out first. So I would say, because I don't know all the players and especially all of their nicknames. Uh, I had one guy and they're like, yeah, go and tell this guy. And I only knew him by his actual name. He was one of the few people that had actually learned their name and they were using his surname kind of as a nickname. And so I, I got lost. But, but there can be that times where we've got to say, hey, I hear the instruction, but I actually don't know how to do it. But in that process then is when we go with them to do that thing. With my kids, I need you to do this. Do you know how to do that? Uh, no. And so then I'm invited to partner with them to do that. I was just reminded of a story one time. Uh, my, my mother, who's sitting over here, uh, she had just come home from doing the grocery shopping. She'd parked halfway into the garage. And uh, some of you may have heard this story before. Uh, I helped unload the, uh, the groceries. I must have been maybe 13, 14, something like that. And, uh, and I said, oh, mum, is it okay if I move the car, drive the car the rest of the way into the garage? And she thinks, sure. Assuming that because I've, you know, asked to do it, that I kind of must know and, you know, and, and we'd like driven with in my dad's car on the beach and all that sort of stuff. Really, it was only steering, so I'm like, oh, awesome. And then I hopped in the car and, uh, and then I kind of realized I don't know exactly what I'm doing. So I, I'm no A, B, C, accelerator, brake, clutch. I knew that bit. Okay, I put my foot on the clutch, turn the car on. Then I'm like, I okay, go put it in first gear. One, that must be the right place to start. And, uh, and then next minute, so I, then I've got to put some, my foot on the accelerator and then I take my foot off the clutch. Now, what you'd know from driving a manual car, there's, some, there's kind of a, a nuanced way of doing that. Gentle and slow. I'd missed that part in the, in the instruction that I hadn't received, so I just put my foot flat on the floor and took my foot straight off the clutch and both wheels brrr, skidding and, uh, and I fly into the garage. 
thankfully, I then realized this is not how it's supposed to go. And I slammed my foot on the brake. And before I crashed through the pool fence into the swimming pool, and my mum was in that by that time in the garden, I just remember her like, here's the wall. And she's like, I kind of look like, what's going on? There's these two big black marks going into the garage. And, uh, and then so I realized, cool, I, I need a little bit more obedience training as to how, how I obey in this scenario. So it's really, really good hearing and obeying in our relationship with Jesus. A really important principle. We also don't want to go the other way where it's just all about experience and encounter. And you get, I've noticed there can be some people and they just love to encounter God. They love the experience of God. They love being in the glory and they laugh and they roll around on the floor and, and it's, it's all good. They're just really enjoying God. But then when it comes in their life of actually doing what he said, there can be some lack on that end of the spectrum. So I'm saying this is a both-and reality. But if, we've only, if we only know our relationship with God of like going, get instruction, run away and do it. We're, we can be lacking intimacy and connection with God, that we're not journeying with him, but we're actually journeying a, a far from him. And he just becomes our instructor not necessarily our Lord, our God, our friend, the bridegroom. There is so much more in our relationship with God that we can delve into rather than just being this one who follows instructions. Okay, you, that, And as a child of God, even in that relationship, if your relationship between child and parent is simply just do what I say when I tell you to do it, and there's no sense of connection and nurture and relationship, that's a really dry place. It's not the place that a child is supposed to grow up in. There's supposed to be connection, heart connection, understanding, investment in that place. And it's the same with God. He didn't, he didn't if, if our job was simply just to hear and obey, we don't need to be filled with the Holy Spirit. He didn't need to come and make his home in us. He didn't need to come so intimately close to us that he would actually form himself in us. Because we could get that instruction in lots of other ways. And, and my concern is, and I know I've probably said this many times, that the blessing of having the Bible can inadvertently be detrimental to our intimate engagement with Holy Spirit. Because it's kind of like we've got all the instruction. I mean, some theological streams would even say, well, we don't need the Holy Spirit because we have the Holy Scriptures. And it almost becomes that it's Father, Son, and Holy Scriptures becomes the, the Trinity. But that was never how Jesus designed it to be. He said, it is better that I go away, that I might send the Holy Spirit. He is the Spirit of truth. He'll lead you into all truth. He is the one that's supposed to guide us. But we can lean heavily on our understanding of the Scriptures, our knowledge base around that, and actually miss having relationship with God, which is a really dry reality for us and for Him. He desires so much more. He, he, he wants His people to hear His words and obey them. Jesus even said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. Teach them to obey. Okay. But we take a step back and we think of baptizing in the Father, Son, the Holy Spirit. Again, we think, yeah, cool. Well, I, I went through water baptism. I don't think that's what Jesus was talking about. Baptizing them in the name. So it says immersing them 
In the name means the nature of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Which means your role as a disciple maker and your role as a disciple of God is to be immersed in the reality of God as your Father, to be immersed in the reality of Jesus as the Son of God, and to be immersed in the reality of the Holy Spirit. Make disciples, immerse them in my reality. Immerse them in my presence. Help them to know me in a tangible way. And out of that place, teach them to obey everything I've commanded. But you see how there's a right order of things. If we miss that immersion, if we take that simply as another step of obedience then we miss out the intimate engagement and reality that God wants to have with us, that he desires to have with us. Now, for me, I didn't grow up in the church. I started attending a church when I was 16. And I heard the message of Jesus and I responded and I obeyed. I said, this stuff, this is amazing. I'd never heard about these things before. I didn't really know who God was. I didn't know who Jesus was. I didn't know what his plan was, all of those things. And I just remember week after week, just weeping at the front of the, of the church at the altar, just saying, I, I, I want you, God. I want to follow you. And my life started to change. I made different choices to a degree. Because there were some things in my life, there were some addictions that I found hard to break. But I said, I said yes to God. So I heard and I was obeying to the best of my ability. I wasn't necessarily obeying with the power of the Holy Spirit in partnership with him. But I was, I was reading the Bible. I was trying my hardest to do what it says. I was coming along every week. I got invited to help out with the youth group and I was doing that. And it was good connection. But it felt like there was kind of two lives that I was living. When I was 19 years old, and I'll share this story, my cousin was killed in a motorbike accident. And that was a, really a wake-up call for me. It all happened in this one night where I'd been out with friends and they'd been drinking and there'd just been a whole lot of just dumb stuff happened on the night. And I had this realization like, whenever I drink, I make really poor choices. Really bad things happen. And it always seems to coincide with when I'm making these choices. And so I kind of made a decision that night. And then later that night, I find out about my cousin being killed. And he, he died, as far as I know, not knowing Jesus. And I was like, and I knew Jesus, and I, I missed that opportunity that I could have shared the good news of, of Jesus with him. But it also just was a wake-up call for me. And I felt like, again, it was a choice of obedience to say, I'm, I'm not going to live this way anymore. I'm going to make different choices. I changed who I spent my time with. I stopped drinking. I just made some different choices. But again, I was walking in obedience with God. Carry on then. My life started to change. 21 years old, I finished my apprenticeship as an electrician, became uh, a youth pastor, and I was doing that. And again, just faithfully following Jesus, faithfully helping other people to follow Jesus. I devoted my life to doing that. I changed my career. I went from really what could have been a, a much more financially lucrative career path to being, and I mean, yeah, I just, I didn't make a lot of money when I was an apprentice. Uh, and then I went from not, and you finally, it's like four years, you're like, oh, finally, I'm going to get paid like a real electrician. And then I went and became a youth pastor. So it was like, I just went backwards again, back to the start. Uh, but I was blessed because I was getting paid to do what I loved, what was that desire in my heart. 
But again, it, it was a cost of obeying God. So you can hear and obey and you can live in that flow of relationship and you can do good things. You can do great things. God will change your life. He will transform you. Things will be different for you. There will always be an element of, of struggle and striving in that place because it's not necessarily the Holy Spirit empowering you in the same way because I didn't know how to pay attention to Holy Spirit. I didn't really know even His role in my life. Like, what's the point of, of the Holy Spirit? I know we kind of, uh, well, he, he saves you. He's the down payment for a future reality, but that was kind of it. That was all I kind of really knew. And it wasn't until as I was journeying through my Christian walk that I started to have more of a yearning for the reality of God. And so I would encounter different people in the church that I was in, and there was only a handful of them, but they would have like a, a Monday night prayer meeting, and they were kind of the the supernatural, spiritual kind of people who were right into all of that stuff. So sometimes I'd hang around with them. I was just always intrigued by the supernatural realm, the spiritual realm. So even as a Christian, and, and this is the group that our, after Lisa and I got married, uh, our cat got hit by a car and, uh, and its, its muscles were torn off under its arm. So it was paralyzed, its front leg, and the vet was gonna chop the cat's leg off. So we had a three-legged cat. And I uh, said, so, well, just wait before you do that. And I was like, I just, I want to take the cat along to a prayer and healing meeting. <laughs> uh, and so I did. And, uh, and there was just, there was maybe five of these people. And I just said, can I bring my cat along? And they said, yes. And they prayed for the cat. The cat got healed. Yeah, she's dead now, but she was healed for the rest of her life. She lived many, many more years you know, after that time. Um, but a crazy thing that also happened, there was this Scottish guy who was part of the prayer meeting. This is not really relevant to the story, but I just think it's kind of cool. Uh, and he, he had this like encounter with God because he grew up hating cats. <laughs> and then God presents this opportunity for him to pray for this cat and he's weeping and crying and God did this transformative work in his heart to fall back in love with cats and repent for judging cats. I don't know, all that sort of stuff. So <laughs> genuinely like he's so... Uh, I pray that that was just had lasting impact on his life. Um, yeah, you can understand it, but um, yeah, yeah. So, so there's this hearing in a bank. It's, it's really good principle, but if that's the only way of interacting and relating with God, there's so much lack in that. Doesn't mean you, you're not faithful. Doesn't mean you don't love him. Doesn't mean you're not saved but there's some lack in that. So there's this other element then of, of tasting and seeing. And I like to think of it as, it's kind of the difference between uh, you know, hearing and obeying. It's, it's, there's some level of interaction, but it's not the same as consuming something. I mean, it's like even as we take communion, there's an expression of intimacy that you're, it, and it's kind of weird when you think about it, you're consuming his body and you're drinking his blood. Is it just me that thinks that's weird? It's okay. You don't have to think it's weird like me, but it's like cannibalistic vampires. Every week is kind of what we're doing. Now, obviously, it has, it's, it's about imagery there, but even Jesus, when he had thousands of people following him and he said to them, 
If, you, if you're not willing to eat my flesh and drink my blood, you're not fit to be my disciple. And guess what happened? Everyone went, oh, no, we're good, Jesus. We're right with you. Not at all. They said, see you later, weirdo. And they left. And it was just the disciples that were left. And Jesus is like, aren't you guys going to go? Like, it's almost like he knew, when I say this, <laughs> this is, I'm going to lose a few followers, if you know what I mean. Like, he got cancelled big time in that moment. Uh, and, but they say, no, well, where are we going to go? You have the words of life. What they were saying is, I mean, these people have heard you, Jesus. They've heard the message and they've obeyed by following you. You've said, this is who I am, come and follow me. And they've said, yes, Jesus. The difference with the disciples that they had tasted and they had seen. Their eyes had been opened to say, no, no, we know you are Lord. These people are going, ah, well, look, we'll follow, we'll check it out, we'll see how we go. But the difference with the disciples, because they had intimate relationships, like they had come to know him in a deep way. So they said, actually, Jesus, maybe they're thinking, that was a pretty weird thing to say, Jesus. And I'm sure it'll reveal itself in, in time as to what you're actually talking about. But we can't go anywhere else. We're, we're stuck with you because we've encountered you. We've come to know who you really are. And this is the difference between hearing and obeying. And I think sometimes this can be people who fall away from God. But I think if you've had a real encounter with God, how can you fall away? Because you can't, you, 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 can't, you can't make excuses for those types of encounters. I love, I love seeing um, demon-possessed people manifest. Only because it means they're kind of revealing themselves putting a big target on the demon. It's like, well, it means it's time for you to go. Now, you may have never seen a demon-possessed person before. Um, and so I'm not saying, let's, let's, hey, let's, this is awesome. But it just means that, hey, there's, there's a reality here. There's a supernatural reality that God has called us to engage with. I know I come in the authority of Christ and Jesus has all authority. So I tell that demon to go and I know that it has to move. Okay. So I've seen lots of people set free, but I've seen people who would never behave that way. They would never do those sorts of things when they're manifesting demonic stuff. So I had this weird thing. It's like I've seen Holy Spirit do amazing things, but I've also seen the demonic manifest and it, both of those things build my faith. They do, because I'm like, this supernatural, this supernatural realm is real. Because sometimes Christians, I know people even think, oh, they come to a conference and people, they're getting prayed for and they fall down. They're like, are they really falling down the power of the Holy Spirit? They're just having a courtesy fall, what we call it, you know? Or they're like getting prayed for. It's like, this has been a long time. I know that if I just fall down, they'll stop praying for me. Maybe they're thinking that. I don't know what goes through someone's head. Um, I've, I've fallen down in the power of the Holy Spirit. I've been literally felt like I was picked up and body slammed by the Holy Spirit. Like WWE Holy Spirit style is what happened. I was praying for Lisa. She was getting prayed for actually by this kind of visiting uh, preacher. And he said, just come and, and you know, lay hands on your wife. And as I pray for her and he was praying for her and next minute I was just like, whoa, and smashed on the floor. And Lisa stood there standing, oh, great. Stolen my encounter with God. I wasn't trying to, it just happened. Um, 
But for me, it's, it's just encountering that reality. So I'm like, I, I, can't, I can't ignore the reality of God because I see people when they have good encounters with the Holy Spirit, but I also see people as like, I know you would never put that stuff on. I mean, non-Christians who manifest demonically, it's like they don't know all of the Christian things that they're supposed to do. They don't know what demons look like and how they manifest, and yet they do. And then I've seen them set free in an instant by the power of the Holy Spirit. But there is something that's like, it solidifies your faith in a way that's so experiential. But I think many Christians, they haven't had a real encounter with Holy Spirit. They haven't come to know Him in that way. And there's no shame around that. Because I think a lot of people aren't encouraged to do that. It's almost like, no, no, you shouldn't rest in experience. No, it's you just got to rest on the Word of God. Which means the, the scriptures, just, just believe what the Bible says. Now, I know plenty of people who have had lots of experiences and they don't, when times get hard, when times get tough, when they don't feel the closeness of God, they don't lean on the truth of the scriptures either. So I'm saying this is a both and reality. But I think, when we have an encounter with God, it, it shapes things in a whole different way. It draws us into a place of connection that keeps us through those hard times, keeps us going through those dry times, keeps us going through those, those times of difficulty. But if we're encouraged not to experience God, I think the danger is we can actually stay in a place of immaturity. And I, a real revelatory passage of Scripture when I, because again, this has been a journey for me. I didn't know the Holy Spirit in this way. I did many, many, many years of just hearing and obeying God. It was after I had an encounter with the Holy Spirit that I was reading through 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 6 up to chapter 3. I encourage you to read this passage of Scripture. It's well known where the Apostle Paul says, I desire to know nothing amongst you except Christ and Him crucified. I came not preaching with eloquent words of wisdom, I'm kind of paraphrasing here, uh, but in a demonstration of the Holy Spirit's power. He said, the reason I did that is so that your faith might not rest on the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. We, we can lift up this message of Christ and Him crucified as being the penultimate gospel message that we must declare. But what the Apostle Paul goes on to say, and particularly in chapter 3, he says, I did that because you were fleshly-minded Christians. They were believers. They were hearing and they were obeying. But he said, but you've got so caught up in the wisdom of men, in your own understanding, that I came and I said, I'm going to keep the message real short. Christ... Christ was crucified, and then he demonstrated the power of the Holy Spirit. Because they were like so caught up in their flesh, and he's like, no, I'm going to bypass all of that. Paul could, Paul could preach rings around anyone, I'm sure, but he's like, but I'm not going to get you feasting on, oh, yes, revelation, oh, yeah, we like that, yes, knowledge, and leaning into that. He's actually saying, I want your faith to rest on an experience of God on an experience of the Holy Spirit. So if anyone tells you, oh, don't, don't go after experience with God, just, just lean into the Scriptures, I wouldn't be choosing that path. I'd be saying, no, I'm gonna, I'm gonna rest on the truth of the Scriptures, but I'm gonna lean into the truth of the presence of the Holy Spirit because He is the Spirit of truth who Jesus said will lead me into all truth. So in partnership together with what is written in the Word and with the Word, capital W, Jesus, the Spirit of God, the Son of God, combined in the Holy Spirit, 
That's what I want to follow. Those two things, word and spirit together. Amen? So when we have a hearing and obeying relationship with God, it becomes a primarily a task-oriented relationship. Hearing and obeying is a healthy part of our relationship with God. But it doesn't naturally lead into deeper relationship with Him. It's instruction and task-oriented. Time together creates deeper relationship. Dwelling with God, abiding with Holy Spirit, just spending time resting, worshiping, not give me, give me my next task, God, but I just want to be with you and spend time with you. You might feel like it's just hard just to spend time with God and just to shut your mouth and not say anything. It can feel like it's almost like not productive. But when you're in that place, you're just, I'm just going to enjoy you. I'm just going to enjoy being with you, God. I'm going to set apart time. We're just going to sit together and not say anything. Time together creates deeper relationship. Touch creates deeper relationship. Feeling the presence of God, encountering the presence of God. Like having physical, you can have physical experiences with God. It's awesome. I love having physical experience with God. I was having a physical experience with God during the worship because I'm standing there and my right leg just starts to shake. See, I can stand here now and it's not doing it. But it's just like, I just know Holy Spirit is just moving. He's just letting me know that He's here. That's weird. Say so it's your leg shakings. I just know that's how Holy Spirit speaks to me. He might talk to you a different way. And you might say, oh, I don't know if that's the Holy Spirit. I don't care what you think. Because <laughs> it doesn't impact you in any way. This is, this is a me and Him thing. I'm sharing something intimate with you, not so that you can qualify it, or so you can judge it. I'm just saying, this is how I enjoy Holy Spirit. And you can enjoy Him in your own way. And I'm not saying build your, a massive theology around it. I'm just saying, but you've got to have that childlike trust that just says, is that you, Holy Spirit? Well, is it? I'm just going to pay attention to you. That's why it's, I find it really hard to worship with my eyes open. And you might, you know, and you, got, you can read the words, and you can do all that sort of stuff. But for me, I, was, I just need to close my eyes and tune in because he is spirit. He's not, now I'm probably not going to see him with my natural eyes. I want to, I desire to, but more than likely, I'm going to feel him in my body in some way. It's within my imagination that God's going to speak. So time creates deeper relationship. Touch creates deeper relationship. And trust creates deeper relationship. Again, even in that, even in that small little thing, oh, feels a bit stupid, but, but is that you, Holy Spirit? Leaning in and trusting, I'm gonna trust that you're gonna speak. I've, I've sat here for half an hour, Lord, and I don't feel like you're talking to me, so I'm gonna, but I'm gonna do it again. I'm gonna do it tomorrow. I'm gonna trust that, the, that as I lean into you, you're gonna meet me in that place. But it takes trust. It takes doing something out of the ordinary. It takes tuning into a different set of senses. I know people, I've seen people get delivered by the Holy Spirit, get delivered from demons, and they did not have a theology around the Holy Spirit. They thought to themselves, oh, it's just kind of, yep, He saves us, whatever, and that's the only interaction we need to have with Holy Spirit. It's kind of at that moment when you get saved and then forget about it, then we just hear and obey. And uh, in talking to this person, uh, someone else that I knew was praying for them, they started manifesting 
uh, demons, and uh, just it was just dark stuff. They kept thinking, you know, really dark stuff. And so he called me up and said, hey, can we pray for this person? They came around to my house and we prayed and he just had a, a, a radical encounter with the Holy Spirit. He got set free from demonic bondage. He had like memories come back up. He ended up on the floor, just wiped out by God. When he comes to, he stands up and he's just, he can feel the freedom in his life. He can feel the weight lifted off of him. And, and I said to him in that moment, I said, how's your theology of Holy Spirit going now? And, and he realized, I think I need to change my theology. And you think, oh, Brad, you shouldn't base your theology on experience. The, the disciples did, the, the apostles did. They thought, you know, that the gospel is for the Jews, not the Gentiles, not these filthy, disgusting Gentile people. And yet they're there, there's this crowd of Gentiles, the Holy Spirit all of a sudden breaks out, starts manifesting in the same way they did at Pentecost. And they say, hold on a second. <laughs> Our whole theology needs to change because Jesus didn't just come for the Jews, he came for the Gentiles as well. That's Paul's whole message and thrust. He's like, I love my Jewish people, but now God has revealed that even all through the scriptures, through the the apostles and the prophets, he's brought this revelation that is for the Gentiles as well. It's all humanity is to come to salvation. You can read about that in Ephesians chapter three. As Paul's revelation, he lays out his revelation of Jesus coming to save not just the Jews, but also the Gentiles. But that wasn't in their theology until they had an experience. So what you're saying, Brad, is every experience I have is Jesus. I'm not saying that. Don't swing the pendulum the other way. No, plenty of people have weird experiences and it's not Jesus. Doesn't mean it's demonic. Could be pizza dreams, all that sort of stuff. But I'm just saying that don't, don't dismiss experience that God is not leading you into something deeper. And for me, what I do is I have an experience with God. I'm like, what's that about? And then I go back to the scriptures and what do you know? It's in the Bible. Or if it's not, then I'm like, cool, I'll file that away. It's just a weird experience that I had. But what I found is you go back into the scriptures, you go, oh, it's there. It was there all along. The Holy Spirit was there all along. And yet my theological conditioning had caused me to be blind to the reality of some truth contained in the scriptures. Hearing is about understanding. Obeying is about action. Tasting is about consuming. And seeing is about revelation. So when you taste, then you get to see. Your eyes get open to a whole nother reality. The Bible even talks about uh, the Jews encountering God and the veil being over them. But it's as they encounter him, it's like the veil gets lifted and they can see. And again, it's the desire, Paul's desire that they would have that encounter and that revelation with him. So again, for me, I'm faithfully hearing and obeying, hearing and obeying. And I'm having encounters with God, but they're few and far between. And again, I guess the, the, the church that I was in, it just didn't um, major on Holy Spirit encounters. That's okay, no judgment. That's just where they're at. So it meant that I wasn't encouraged. I wasn't encouraged to do that. I'd gone to a Hillsong conference, 2002, and I'd gone forward for prayer, the moving in the spirit stream, and someone had prayed for me, and I, I received the, the, like a prayer language, so the, the ability to pray in tongues. But even that, I kind of really didn't know what to do with it. No one discipled me here. Now, this is what it's for. This is the point of it. I just knew, and sometimes it would come up in worship. It would kind of bubble up and it happened. But I kind of, that was about all I knew. So I had these kind of encounters with Holy Spirit. But then we go eight years later 
I'd been obedient to planting this church. In 2010, I'd, I felt like I'd heard what God had said to do and I'd been obedient to starting the church. And you know the story, six months in, I'm finding it hard, I'm finding it difficult, I'm lamenting people's lack of engagement, I'm like, I have this vision to see this city transformed, what's going on here, this, is, this feels like it's way too difficult, I'm striving way too hard, and, uh, and a, a very good friend said to me, some of you know this person, they said, maybe you're the problem, and, uh, and, and thankfully I said, tell me more, <laughs> um, not, stuff you, get out of my church, um, could have said that, but I didn't, praise the Lord. And so I said, tell me more. And then what I was encouraged to say is, Brad, all of the things that you're hearing, right, good. All of the things that you're doing, good. You're hearing what God's saying and you're going, you're loving on people, you're sharing the gospel, you're doing lots of good things. And yet you're doing it out of partnership with the Holy Spirit. So it's like he's giving you instruction and then you're racing off to do it. And he's like, oh, hold up. We're supposed to be doing this together. It's a co-mission. It's a partnership. So but I, didn't, I didn't know Holy Spirit in that way. So I'm off doing all these great things and then finding it hard because I'm doing it not in the power of the Holy Spirit. And so I said, I, I want that. I want to do it in partnership with the Holy Spirit. So they prayed. And in that moment, something shifted. And I didn't even have an experience of God in that moment. I just knew something had shifted. I went, I remember saying to Lisa that night, I was like, I just feel like that was a really significant moment. But it wasn't like, oh, I felt fire, I felt electricity, or I just fell out on the floor. It's just like, no, something significant happened. So then within a week, everything changed for me. My countenance changed. So I had people, non-Christians, who knew me, who were like, have you like dyed your hair or done something different? Like there's something different about you, like my... My eyes softened, like just something changed. My prayer life shifted radically. We started seeing miracles even as outcomes of prayer. And I remember it, it was maybe a week and a half later and I went to a, a dinner party at, at a friend's house and they were just like, hey, we're just gonna pray together afterwards. And so I was kind of like, oh, cool. I guess you know, prayer's good. Because again, when you don't know the Holy Spirit tangibly and intimately, prayer is again, it's almost like it's giving instruction to God or receiving instruction with God, from God. But it's kind of like, it's that kind of, that transactional relationship. Yes, God, well, I guess we need these things. Can you do these things? And do you have anything for me to do? I guess I'm gonna go and do the same, stop doing those things. And you know, that becomes that kind of prayer relationship. So we go into the living room and we start to pray and I, and I lay my hands and touch someone. All of a sudden, it's just like, brush, my mind explodes, my imagination, and I start seeing pictures. Like, oh, this is awesome. So then I start praying out what I'm seeing. And the people who I'm praying for are going, oh, that's amazing, that's spot on, that's great. So prophecy opens up. Because now Holy Spirit is speaking to me in that moment to give me things to share. And we prayed maybe three to three and a half hours. This is like a dinner party. <laughs> just catching up, having dinner, having a meal together. And it was amazing. But I was just like, oh, this is way better. This is way better way to pray because I'm praying and God's speaking and I'm hearing and I'm sharing those things and then things are happening. It was so much better, so much more fun and so much more intimate and engaging. So I'm like, God's speaking to me. How amazing is that? 
I love that. I love that he's speaking to me and that he gets to lead me so closely in that moment. I'm not relying upon things that he has said in the past. I'm relying on what he's saying to me right now. Does that mean every single thing that I hear is from God? Not at all. But I trust so every time that I pray for someone, even as after on a Sunday and we, we pray for people, every time I pray for someone and I might see a picture in my imagination or I hear a word, see a phrase, and I pray that I, every single time, I'm like, I don't know if this is Jesus, but I'm gonna trust him. I'm gonna be obedient and I'm gonna speak it out. What's well, a little bit frustrating is sometimes people have awesome encounters with Jesus and they never tell me. So I go away going, hmm. Well, that was okay, or I'm a, or I sounded like a Fruit Loop. But uh, so, if you ever, if you, if anyone ever prays for you and they share a prophetic word and you just feel like, yes, that's good, that's spot on, just let them know. It's really encouraging and helpful. But it is, it's, but it's every time there's this dependency. Every time I get up to speak, you got to understand there's a whole stack of words that I've shared with you today that are not in my notes that I did not plan to say, stories that I shared, but I know I'm preparing. I'm like, I can over-prepare. I could script everything out and then just read through the, the notes that are on my page. But part of me is like, I actually want to stay in the place of dependency on Him. So in some ways, sometimes, maybe because I run out of time and I under-prepare, but sometimes I actually don't want to over-prepare. Competency can be an enemy of dependency. And this is really difficult because we're encouraged to grow in our understanding of God. We're encouraged to grow in our maturity in Christ. We're encouraged to grow and be transformed into His likeness. So inherently, we become more competent. And the danger is the more competent we become, the more we can start to lean on our competency. We can start to lean on our ability to do something. I've done this enough that I can articulate myself in a way that you go, that sounds good, that sounds wise, that sounds smart. Yes, that's in the Bible, all good. Nice talk, Brad. Let's all go and we'll see you next week for next week's talk. I, I can, I could do, I'm competent to do that, but what I don't want is to lean into my competency and have that to be the outcome is that I've just shared some wisdom, some good ideas, some good principles. I want Holy Spirit to show up. Even all of this stuff that I'm sharing, this time is just the precursor. It's like just setting the stage for Holy Spirit to meet with people after this time. So for me, the worship time, hugely important. The ministry time at the end, the most important for my heart's desires that you would encounter Holy Spirit. And then we've got this little middle bit, which is just about giving you some helpful tools and sharing and giving you understanding because understanding is important because we want you to be able to go away and articulate that to other people. My desire is to see not just this church, but a generation of believers who have tasted and seen God. And from that place of connection and intimacy, they live hearing and obeying His voice. That's how the church was supposed to operate. It's become this highly intellectual place in some streams and it's become this highly kind of encounter-driven place in other streams, but it's the merging of those two things beautifully that we have understanding and revelation and wisdom. We're growing in that place, but it's, also, it's coming out of this, it's birthed out of this place of intimacy. And we can say, well, I, I trust to, to follow His voice because I know His voice because I've gotten to learn His voice. I've learned the language of Holy Spirit. You each individually need to learn the language of Holy Spirit. 
You can't just go, well, I can, uh, yes, there's this new language that I've been given. Here's Italian. You go, cool. I, I know what sounds like Italian, you know, spaghetti, meat, I don't know, like, uh, like there's probably more Italian words than that. You know, but like, you can, you can pick up Italian sounding words, but you don't know the whole language. That's going to take some investment to do that. It's the same with the Holy Spirit. He speaks in a whole different language and he'll speak differently to you than he speaks to me. And he'll speak differently to you at different times. There's been twice in my life where I felt God as close to audibly speak to me. Okay. And it was like awesome. It was, and, but it was like, without a doubt, God's just said that. Okay. That's been twice in my entire journey with God. All the other times, it's just a sense, it's just a prompting. It can be as I'm praying, God, God lays something out. And sometimes you, you kind of just got to trust that. And you see afterwards, God proves himself. And you go, cool, now I know when he speaks to me like that, I can trust that it's him speaking. And I can come forward with more boldness. What we don't want is to live our Christian lives with God, always hearing after the fact. Always hearing in hindsight. Well, it could be God. I'll oh, give it a crack. Oh, it was. Uh, you know, like this. And then next time it's like, could be God. Give it a crack. Oh, it was. Like not to live in that kind of way where we go, actually, I, I start to know his voice. I start to hear his voice and I start to act on that. Intimacy and dependency are really important elements in order to taste and see. Intimacy is that invitation and really says, into me see. So we invite God, David's prayer, search my heart, oh God. So we invite God that you would know every part of me, which he does, but it's like us acknowledging it is really important. Intimacy and dependency, I like to, to think of it as deep end, the deep end. You want to have, you want to depend on God? If you imagine a swimming pool, deep, jump into the deep end and see. You'll discover whether you trust him when you jump into the deep end and see if you trust him. We've, we want to invite God into us in intimacy, but for us sometimes to go deeper into God is to, to lean into dependency, to jump into the deep end of what he has for us, maybe what he's calling us to in our lives. It might even just be coming forward for prayer on a Sunday. It's like, God, I don't know if you're speaking to me. I have this prompting. I have this sensation. I, I hear what's being said. And it's like, I want that. But am I willing to embarrass myself? Am I willing to, to take those steps to come forward even to receive prayer? Well, it's only as I jump into the deep end that I will see that it's you. I remember making the decision in my life when it came to Holy Spirit manifestations. I'm like, I will choose looking like a fool in order to encounter you, God. Every time I get up to share, I could be saying things and you could not agree with what I have to say. And it's like, but I've just got to obey Jesus. I have to obey him. And I'm willing to look like a fool in order to experience him. Because foolishness is a really cheap price to pay for an encounter with God, to live in His presence. So to jump into the deep end is a vulnerable place. If you want to journey with Holy Spirit, guess what? It's going to be vulnerable. It's going to be scary. It requires trust. It's moving from being dependent upon yourself, your ability, your security, and leaning into God for all of those things.
Matthew 14, starting at verse 23. This is the disciples in the boat and they encounter Jesus walking on the water and they think to themselves, is this a goat, a ghost, not a goat. <laughs> is that a goat? No, it's a ghost. No, it's Jesus. Um, they cry out in fear. Immediately Jesus speaks to them and he says, take Heart, it is I, do not be afraid. And Peter answered him, Lord, if it is you, command me to come out onto the water. And Jesus said, come. So Peter gets out of the boat and he walks on the water and he comes to Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, he cried out, Lord, save me. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and he took hold of him, saying, Oh, you of little faith, why did you doubt? And when they got into the boat, the wind ceased, and those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly you are the Son of God. This is a really simple illustration where Peter saw Jesus, but the gap between where he was and where Jesus was required dependency. He had to step out on the water not having hold of his hand. So every part of him was about, I need to trust you and I'm gonna step out and I'm gonna move towards that place that you are. Because you've said, come out to me. You've said, come and meet me in the place where I am. And again, if we're constantly relying upon God to meet us where we are, we're gonna live in lack. Do you wanna come forward, Nicole? We're gonna pray soon, but... If, we, if we're waiting around for God to meet us in the boat, we're gonna miss out on the encounters on the water. We're gonna miss out on the miracle of walking on water with Jesus because we're gonna stay in our safe place. And you go, but what if I get out and I start to sink? It's okay because Jesus is there and he's gonna take your hand. Did he say to Peter, sorry, Peter, you missed it, little faith, Drown, all right, we've got to find another disciple. We just lost one, drowned in the lake. So even has, he's like, he's, he's filled with trust. He's filled with boldness. If it's you, call me to come out to you, Jesus. And he says, you can come. And as he starts to walk, his attention gets drawn away to what's happening around him, to the storms, to the wind, to the waves. And then he starts to sink. But even as he starts to sing, what does Jesus do? He reaches out his hand and he calls him up. Now he instructs him in that moment. He corrects him, but he doesn't let him drown. But that's the place that we need to be. It's a much safer place to be out on the water with Jesus than it is being stuck in the boat, keeping ourselves safe. Amen. Peter put himself in the place of dependency. We need to put ourselves in the place of dependency. We need to say, if it is you, if you are who you say you are, Jesus, I'm gonna trust you. If you are who you say you are, I will step out of the boat and I will trust you. I will step out into the deep end, into that place of vulnerability into that place where I can't, I can't sit in the boat and say, yeah, I trust you, Jesus, that you'll carry me. It's only as we step out that God proves himself true. God proves himself trustworthy in that interaction. Amen? Why don't you stand?
with me and we're just going to pray and we're going to invite Holy Spirit to come and meet you in this place. Right now, today, So this takes dependency even for me to pray these things, to have an expectation. And I could say, oh, I'm just a bit scared that maybe you won't show up, Holy Spirit. Maybe people won't encounter you. And maybe I'll be left feeling embarrassed. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I trust you, Holy Spirit. I want you to say, I trust you, Holy Spirit. Even as the disciples said to Jesus, Jesus, we believe, help our unbelief. We all have unbelief in our heart. We all have walls and barriers, hidden places, unspoken places, places where we've built up our own security and our own safety. Even lines that we might say, I'm not willing to cross that line. but they are areas of unbelief. And we need to say to Jesus, Jesus, I, I believe, but would you help those areas of unbelief? Would you come in and would you reveal yourself? Would you reveal your truth in those places of unbelief that I might come to believe that you are who you say you are in full measure? Your word says, taste and see that I am good. And we pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you reveal your goodness, Lord, as people would step forward and say, God, I desire to taste you. I desire to consume you. I desire to experience you, Lord. Not so we can have a fun encounter with you, Lord, but that we can know your presence, that it can help us to hear your voice and to feel your closeness, Lord. The deepest desire of every single person's heart is that they would know God in fullness, that they would enjoy the fullness of the Lord. It is your deepest heart's desire. God created you to live in intimate fellowship with Him, to live in that place of worship and adoration, consumed by Him. He created you to walk side by side with Him in the garden. That was His original design. And we lost that in the fall, but it was restored in Christ. It was restored in the resurrection. It was restored as Jesus sent the Holy Spirit to come and make His home in you. But you need to spend time in the garden. You need to spend time walking with Him. You need to cultivate that place of intimacy. And as you come forward, I just wanna explain to you, you might feel God physically in some way. You might feel your body begin to shake. 
you might feel like a weight come upon you, like a heaviness come upon your physical body. You might feel your, your muscles begin to tighten. You might feel shivers running down your spine. Some people feel like tingling in their skin, electricity rushing through their body. You might just feel deep peace, like all of your troubles, all of your worries just washing away. You might feel heat come over you, like a fire burning inside of you or upon you. You might feel tongues bubbling up if you have that, that gift of tongues and maybe you don't you just feel like there's just these words and these sounds that I, I feel like I need to let out of my mouth that's the gift of the Holy Spirit giving you a, a language to pray you might start to see things as you close your eyes visions you might start hearing words you might start experiencing the fruit of the Holy Spirit you might just feel deeply in love deeply loved, filled with love, filled with joy. You might begin to laugh. You might feel like you want to fall down. These are just all ways that the Holy Spirit interacts with people. And we don't need to be afraid of Him. And again, this is not about a fun experience, a cool experience. It's about getting to know His presence, the way that He moves, the way that He speaks, the way that He leads. So I wanna pray for those this morning who want to have an encounter with Holy Spirit. Maybe you're here this morning and you're like, I don't know if I've ever even heard the call to obey Him. So I just wanna call you forth and say, it is your day to say yes to Jesus. It's your day to obey the sound of His voice and He is calling you forward to be His disciple. He is wanting to fill you with His Spirit. He is wanting to release salvation, which means all of your sins are forgiven and you get to spend eternity with Him. But that eternity starts today. Eternity with God is not a future thing. It is a reality because God is here today. And God wants to fill you with His Spirit. God wants to come and make His home in you. If that's you, you can stay where you are and lift your hand or you can come forward. And we'd love to pray for you. The Bible talks about laying on of hands, that there's a, like a supernatural transfer that happens in that moment. But don't miss this opportunity to meet Him. Don't miss this opportunity to be filled with the Spirit. Maybe you've been a Christian for a long time and you're like, Brad, the, the experiences that you're sharing, I, I don't think I've ever experienced those. Or they've just been so few and far between, but I wanna have those experiences all the time. Just come forward and we'll lay hands on you. We'll pray for the baptism in the Holy Spirit, which again, isn't a kooky, weird thing. It's in the Bible. It just means you're getting immersed in Him, in His presence. I had already planted a church before I was baptized in the Holy Spirit. You could do great things. You can do amazing things. There's no shame for where you have been, but there's an opportunity for a greater measure. There's an opportunity for greater intimacy, for greater encounter with God. Maybe for you, Maybe you're feeling just a, a stagnancy in your journey with Him. Maybe you feel like, you know what, I've, I've heard His voice plenty of times, but maybe for you, familiarity is, is, has become your enemy or competency has become the enemy of dependency. 
but I really feel like this place at the front, this is the deep end. This is the deep end. Come and dive into the deep end and experience Him. Come and dive into the deep end and encounter Him in a new measure. If you just need a fresh touch from God, He is here. He longs to express Himself to you. He longs to express His love for you, His desires for you. He longs to have a deeper place of connection with you. So we say, Holy Spirit, come. Holy Spirit, come. We need you, Lord. We need you, Holy Spirit. We cannot do this journey without you, Holy Spirit. We need you, Holy Spirit. Would you come now? Would you move? Would you fill afresh, Lord? Would you fill for the first time people with your spirit? It is your promise that you'll come and make your home in us, Lord. It's your promise that you'll come and you'll meet with your people and you'll dwell in your people. So we just say yes to your word. We believe your word and we say, yes, Holy Spirit, come now in Jesus' name. Come now, Lord. Come now, Holy Spirit. We say yes, Lord, to your desire. We don't need to beg you to come. It's your desire. And we just come in agreement. Every one of them, we say, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. 